Like a 20-something on a dating app, Brian Gutekunst has a type in the NFL draft. But will he go against it to fill very specific needs this season? Plus, we talked yesterday about linebackers, why Jeff Halfley's defense could actually help someone like Quay Walker. We're going to talk about that and a lot more on today's show. You are locked on Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. And today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Over the years, and going back to Ron Wolf, the Green Bay Packers have player types. This is something everydayers are going to roll their eyes at. We're not going to dive into the types on today's show. That is something we're probably going to do at least a little bit of tomorrow. Especially at positions where I think the Packers are likely going to make some top 100 selections where I think it matters as we get ready for the combine, which is now just next week. But they have, over the course of the last few seasons, broken the rules in specific ways. Their own rules, so it's not like, you know, there's anything, you know, nefarious about what they're doing. These are just, these are things that they set because they they believe historically that they matter. And as I look at some of the needs on this team, I wonder if this is a year where you do what they have done again in the past and you make some exceptions. They need a nickel. Generally, they want their corners to be 5'11 plus and 195. A lot of nickel corners are 5'10, 185. And especially if you want to play a little bit more man coverage, you're probably going to have to sacrifice some of that size to get someone who can truly move the way you need in the slot when it comes to playing man coverage. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about the scheme in a little bit, but I think that this is a useful jumping off point. Keyshawn Nixon is short, 5'10" but he's 200 pounds. Russell Douglas, who played in the slot before that, we're talking about a six foot, 200 plus pound corner too. When they made the exception for Jair Alexander, who's 5'10", it was because he was 196 and ran 4'38". 
and had mega ball production. The film was awesome. Like all of those things. When they made the exception for Randall Cobb, who's a, a smaller receiver. We're talking about a 190 plus pound guy. Density matter. When they made the exception for Amari Rogers, who was short and slow, he was over 190 at 5'9", 5'10". I don't know that they're going to sacrifice certain parameters. But I think nickel this year, and even there are some of the guys who are boundary corners, someone like Kamari Lasseter from Georgia, who's six foot, but a buck 80. How do you square those things? If he runs fast, you say, okay, can you put 10 pounds on? Does it matter? It seems like it still matters to Green Bay. They still care about these kinds of things. I think this is also interesting for interior offensive line because there are the two places we talked about the needs here. Interior offensive line. The Packers traditionally have said because we value movement skills, size, speed, movement athletes at offensive line, we're going to take tackles and move them inside. Because if you're having to do the thing where a guy does not have long enough arms to play outside and you're moving him inside, guess what? He still has short arms. He just has, it's not as big a deal. So they're like, well, we'd rather have tackles. We'd rather have guys that, that don't have these physical limitations and move them inside. Josh Sitton, TJ Lang, Elton Jenkins, who played center guard and tackle at Mississippi State. Well, if they need a right guard, there are guards in this draft that they could take They've got multiple third-round picks. Might they diverge from their usual we want to tackle to pick someone who's actually a guard? There are. This is actually a pretty good center draft. The last time the Packers were in a pretty good center draft, they took one, Josh Myers. He has turned out to not be a pretty good center. He has turned out to be a below-average center. At 25, is that too early for Graham Barton? The tackle from Duke, who's going to play, almost certainly going to play inside. Some people think he's a center. I, I, I mentioned yesterday, Edrin Cooper, the Texas A&M linebacker, that I don't think we've had enough conversations about the possibility of someone like him, not just in the first round, but the, at, in the first round to the Packers, that they would want a linebacker in that spot. I think this is another player, Graham Barton from Duke. Because he can play guard, play tackle, can play guard or center, and so you let him compete with Sean Ryan, if Sean Ryan wins that job, you're going to have him cross-trained at center. He can compete in the preseason with both of those guys. But that wouldn't be going against type. He played tackle in college. But there's guys, guys like Boston College, Jeff Halfley, guard Christian Mahogany, who's been in one of our, our mock draft Mondays. That is a nasty dude. Physical, tough. This is a tough physical team. Would they draft someone? They basically haven't drafted an offensive lineman over 320 in a while. They don't do it. It's not something they do very often because they prioritize the movement skills. If anything, Zach Tom needed to gain weight, and he did. David Bakhtiari needed to gain weight, and he did. But there are these behemoths in this draft. Guys like Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma who are 6'7", you know, 335, 340, and you go, well, that's not a Packers type. But they've now 
cultivated this physical identity. Rasheed Walker is a brawler. Sean Ryan is a body mover. Josh Myers, for whatever flaws that he may have, you run duo with Josh Myers and he is moving people out of the way. Elton Jenkins is a tough son of a you-know-what. This is not the finesse offensive lines that they've had in the past. And, and that's that's not nothing against guys like Josh Sitton and TJ Lang who were as tough as they come. But a team that pass protection a lot, there's a, just a different attitude versus coming off the ball, firing off the ball, the run game as part of the identity with, which is what the Packers are. So would they be willing to say, well, it worked with Elton Jenkins. Didn't work so great with Josh Myers, but it worked with Elton Jenkins. You've got these extra picks now, an extra second, an extra third. When you have these luxury picks, are you willing to gamble on a cornerback who's 5'10", 182 because he's a really good nickel corner? There are a couple guys in this draft for, for whom that might be worth doing. I think there might be a couple offensive linemen that that could intrigue the Packers enough for them to say, and certainly centers, true centers. We know that they will take a true center. Generally speaking, they do not like to compromise on athleticism, but Amari Rodgers was an athletic compromise. Randall Cobb wasn't. Jay Alexander wasn't. We don't know what the testing on Josh Myers, but presumably thought they thought he was probably going to test if he did test like a like a really good athlete. Alan Jenkins, really good athlete. Over nine relative athletic score. We're going to do more on RAS as we make it through the combine. But I just wonder if given, given the specific needs of this team and some of the changes that could be made, if this is another year where Brian Gutekinds goes, well, we might, might want to bend our rules to get some guys that we really like, whose tape, like, don't do it just because you feel like you need it. Do it because you think the player is worth it. They thought Josh Myers and Amari Rodgers were worth it. They were wrong. And Brian Gutekinds traditionally hits less often when he goes outside of his and the Packers' traditional molds. And you've seen over the last two years, they've more or less stuck with all of their molds and they've been knocking it out of the park. So stick with it is what I'm saying. But if you think a player is really good, don't let it stop you. Especially when you have extra draft capital this year. All right, I want to talk about Jeff Halfley and this defense. We're going to hear from Jeff Halfley um, today, in fact, as you're listening to this, Thursday, for the first time since he became the defensive coordinator. But I want to talk about one specific way where I think he can change so much about what this defense is. And it's just a little, it's a little tweak. It's a little tweak. And the Packers were actually already starting to do it. We'll talk about it in just a second here on Locked on Packers. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking the same thing. Jordan Love 
is going to be a top three MVP candidate next year. And he might even win it. Okay. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team. And it's important to get things off our chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV in the free Fire TV channels app. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. Robert Sala and the Jets. They don't have to blitz to beat you. And one of the reasons is they will spread you out up front. A pair of wide nines, two defensive tackles in the middle, a no shade and a three tech. And they will just let those edge players fly off, disrupt, and try and win one-on-one. But, If you have four versus five, it's hard to win consistently. Especially if everyone knows where these guys are coming every time. It's why the three, four exists. Because theoretically, you didn't know which of the ends was coming. Now, now when you live in nickel and these four-man fronts, it's a lot easier to know who's coming and who's not. Be cool. So what did Robert Sala do? And what, what have teams around the league started doing? They have started simulating pressure. What does that mean? Well, you show a blitz and you back out of it. But if you show the blitz, what that forces the quarterback and the offensive line to do is potentially change the protection. So if you have to alter the protection, if you think extra bodies are coming, for example, you've got a double mug, the Mike Zimmer, Two guys walked up into the A-gap. You think you're sending extra guys. You have to set the protection. You got to get the running back or you got to bring a tight end in. You got to do something to account for those extra bodies. And what teams have done over the last few years, what has become en vogue is to show that pressure. Get the the, the offensive line to say, okay, here's how we're going to block this up. You back out of it. And you run some sort of game or twist up front. And you get guys on the move. You confuse the blockers so that even with a four-man rush against a five-man line, you can get home because you're playing with the blocking rules and their assignments. You create one-on-ones where there really shouldn't be one-on-ones. And those guys on the edge, if you've got someone walked up in the A-gap, And now the quarterback's worried about that guy. What happens on the edge? Now you've got someone coming. And it's much harder for that running back or whatever to help. And then if you've got the defensive tackle and the nose tackle crossing, now you're confusing guard, center, center, where do I help? How do I, what's going on? And now before you know it, it's a sack or it's a throwaway. 
and especially if you've got good edge rushers, which the Packers do, you can just let those guys go eat. What the Packers started doing at the end of last year was rushing five. Bring the extra linebacker. Just create one-on-one opportunities. And part of the reason why they did that is because it's it's one of the things that Quay Walker can actually become proficient at. At least that, that he's shown he can do to be disruptive, to fly up the field, to create some problems. And so that was a good use of him because you're also taking him out of the, the places where he is less comfortable. That's good. Use your players the way that, that they are most likely to succeed. So you don't have to blitz a lot for this approach to be useful. You don't have to send that extra guy a bunch. You can walk him up, single mug, and have him try and mess with the protection and then back out. The 49ers love to show pressure and back out. The Jets, the Ravens, the Texans, The best teams love to show pressure and back out. And this creates all sorts of problems for offenses. Because you're messing with the blocking scheme. You're potentially speeding up the rhythm of the quarterback, even though they have it all blocked up. And then if you're expecting that linebacker to come and he blocks or and he backs out, you may expect him to, he's now in a space that you expected to be vacated, makes them throw quick potentially, and you've got some problems. The Jets have been one of the best quick game defenses in the league under Robert Sala. If you five-step and seven-step them and and don't worry about trying to get the ball out quick, there's opportunities to be had. They don't have the world's best safeties. Quincy Williams is a really good player, but coverage is not, he's not as good moving backward as he is moving forward. He was an all-pro last year. Like, this is not shade. People relax if you're going to be mad about that. He's a really, really, really good player. Nobody's a perfect player. Ed Reed is like the closest thing. So if you if you give Quay Walker an assignment like that, hey, faint the blitz and back out, you've created a level of confusion that benefits that player specifically because the, the quarterback thinks the ball needs to be out. And usually in those cases, you're trying to get something slant, something inside. You're trying to tight end right over the right over the top in that vacated space. And all of a sudden there's a linebacker there. And you can close down that space in a hurry. And, and it's got to be a three-step drop because you feel like that pressure is going to come. So the Jets don't have to blitz a lot. And I, I do think that it has helped... Those linebackers, like Fred Warner is awesome. C.J. Mosley is a really good player. Dre Greenlaw, Quincy Williams, really good. But then D'Amico Ryans goes to Houston. And Blake Cashman was one of the top 10 best graded linebackers in the league last year. He washed out of New York. We're talking about, you know, a non-pedigreed player. A nice player, it turns out. But I think what this defense can do is create opportunities that wouldn't otherwise exist merely by its structure. And especially when you have 
the edge rushers who can create problems, the interior guys who can win one-on-ones and who can, the Packers last year, they found some things in the second half, twists, getting guys in, in motion. Devontae Wyatt is, is incredible moving laterally on these twists. Kobe Wood and Carl Brooks, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness. This defense, this defensive personnel is made for a defense like this. The question that we tried to tackle yesterday was, are the linebackers? And I do think there are ways in which the scheme can make life easier on the linebackers simply by what it's asking them to do. Because if you are asking them on a regular basis to show pressure and then back out, generally that is simplifying their responsibilities because they're not going to have to sit and wait and read and, and read the quarterback's eyes. The ball is probably coming out because they think the ball is coming out. Now, you're not going to trick the quarterback every time and you have to send that pressure enough that they believe it's going to come. But that's actually a good thing. Quay Walker is a good blitzer. I think whoever they draft, and they're going to draft someone, someone like Edron Cooper, all the more reason someone like that makes a lot of sense. He is long and hyper-athletic, If you do send him, he's got a good chance to get home. But even though he's not made to play in space and move and turn and run, we've seen flashes of it. He can do it. But also, have him back into space. And if the ball is coming out quickly, it's it's an easier thing for him to just see the quarterback and react. You're not having to wait three and four and five seconds. It's hard for any linebacker in a scenario like that to play. So that raises what I think is an interesting question. Like, as I said, I think Mosley, who played well outside of Salah's scheme but had not been a great player, just had his best season. Not a coincidence that Quincy Williams next to him also was just an all-pro. And Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner are really good players. But they've been in this system from the jump and been really good. I do think there are ways in which The Packers, with their current group, can mitigate some of the issues that they have simply because the scheme does some of the work for them. Now, this question about linebacker in the first raises a topic that was big yesterday on the social media machine, and that is positional value based on contracts. Does this matter? Is this a thing that we actually have to worry about? Yes, and I'm going to tell you why in just a second on Locked on Packers. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Basketball's back. The home stretch here, 30 plus games plus the playoffs. Basketball is really, really fun to Gamble on, and I'm telling you, with some of these player over-unders, there is money to be made. Not the stars, some of these role players, high totals, just keep an eye on stuff like that. Quick bets, live same-game parlays are really fun. Exclusive props and more from FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. The Bucks can finally stop doing interviews. They can just go play basketball. They're going to keep doing interviews. 
Really great piece from Eric Neiman in, in The Athletic on Giannis. If you haven't read it, go check that out. FanDuel, um, official sports book of the NBA. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. And now it's available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Find Locked On Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. The reason this question of positional value came up. And I do think it's important to talk about when it comes to a potential linebacker in the first or an interior offensive lineman in the first. Is when you look at, you you, you hear positional value and I understand some of you, your your mind is immediately going to go, I do I care about this? I don't know why I would care about this. Why do I care about this? Why do I, this is, pick the best player. And generally, yeah, pick the best players. But understand that positional value is not just about, oh, this position is worth more in in some nebulous universe where you just say a quarterback is worth more. Like we know a quarterback is worth more than everyone else because of what they do on the field. These these discussions are often bad faith because it's like, well, if I have a really good defensive end and a really good guard, like whatever. Like if we're assuming same caliber of player, right? Same caliber of player. There are just some positions that are more valuable on the field. And the NFL agrees. And you know how I know that? Because not everyone gets paid the same. Not everyone gets paid the same. Look at average annual contracts. Look at the franchise tag numbers. This was a point Daniel Jeremiah made um, on a podcast yesterday or two days ago. And it became, I guess, somewhat controversial. Because it was about the Chargers and Brock Bowers. This is part of the discussion we had last year. The franchise tag for a tight end in 2024 is $12 million. Well, if you're a high first, if you're the fifth overall pick, you're going to get in that eight to $10 million range. If that guy's really good, you're paying him like he's a top of market tight end already. So there's no surplus value there. You're not benefiting from the cost-controlled nature of his contract. And you say, well, but Peter, I don't care. It's good to have a good player. Yes, I agree. It is good to have a good player. But you'd rather have a good player at a position that is more valuable. So for example, wide receiver. People got mad at me for the Roma Dunze thing. The franchise tag for a receiver in 2024 is $20.6 million. That's the same as a defensive end. That's more than the offensive line tag. It is really, really valuable to have a receiver. If you have a receiver and a tight end of the same value, of the same quality, the receiver is just more valuable. They just are. Certainly the NFL believes that they are. But if you look at any of the underlying data, they agree. So I'm not saying build your whole draft strategy around surplus value. Then there are a lot of people who are going to hand wave it and go, well, you know, it's a good thing the nerds don't and spreadsheets and blah, like, relax, relax. No one is trying to steal football from you. This is all predicated on believing that players, the projections, first of all, are fickle anyway. No one is that good at predicting these guys. 
But if you think a couple players are somewhat similar in their quality, then the premium position players are more valuable on the field, on the salary cap. And that is that is part of the calculation here. Now, the linebacker, that it gets screwed up because linebacker tag includes outside linebackers, inside linebackers. Like if you're an inside linebacker, the tag. But, but inside linebackers don't tend to get paid what outside linebackers do. So again, if, you, if you're paying one of those guys seven, eight, nine million, you're paying them like they're a sort of middle class, middle to upper, upper middle class linebacker already. That's, that's not ideal. It's not ideal. Now, if, if you see a player and you love him, like draft him. That's important. But this positional value question is useful not just for any some sort of nebulous on-field value that you want to ascribe like wins above replacement. It's not just that, although that is a thing. It is also this cost-benefit analysis. This getting a good rookie player at one position is not as valuable as getting a good rookie position or rookie player at another position. It's just not. The economics of the NFL are what they are. I'm sorry if for some of you it hurts your feelings. But I'm not sorry. Back tomorrow as we get you set for the NFL Combine. Um, we'll hear from Jeff Halfley. We'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot of what he says. We will get to hear from him for the first time about how he is going to approach this defense. And I can't wait. I cannot wait. We are we are off season to the max here on Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast everywhere. Twitter, Locked on Packers. Instagram, Locked on Packers. TikTok, Locked on Packers. Facebook, Locked on Packers. YouTube, Locked on Packers. So you can stay Locked on Packers.